Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. It's a hot and heavy Monday on the last full week of midterm media coverage. And it's a wild west of conspiracy theories surrounding the hammer attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. While some journalists note that no motive for this attack has been identified by law enforcement, the liberal networks on Monday morning came right out of the gate blaming Republican propaganda and Trump-fueled fascism. Yes, that's Mika Scarborough this morning. Isn't it funny that liberals lecture us about conspiracy theories and misinformation and then speculate so recklessly before all the facts are in? If you work at a so-called news channel, you should wait for the facts, but somehow that just can't happen. Not when you have the opportunity to do more January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. So, with that in mind, with all the freaking out, we turn to Joseph Vasquez, Associate Editor for Business and Free Speech America. We will remind you, Joseph graduated summa cum laude with a BA in political science from the George Washington University in 2018. Brent Baker's alma mater. <laughs> Rich Noy's alma mater. Uh, the uh, Find him on Twitter at JV3 at MRC. Uh, let's start with this. I love this headline you sent me the other day from AP misinformation reporter David Klepper. Now, I always want to joke. Is he a reporter about misinformation or is he reporting misinformation? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a, just the whole idea that they have a beat like this. Yes, the headline was this. Social media platforms brace for midterm elections mayhem. <laughs> what is that? It means that people will finally be able to have more free speech and say opinions that the left doesn't like. That's yeah. mayhem to them. I, yes. I mean, it, it, I think this whole, all the freak out we're seeing right now about Musk taking it over is this whole idea of, well, we can't have elections where you're allowed to say your piece when we can't squash Hunter Biden laptop stories. You know, they... <laughs> Well, they they haven't heard their they haven't learned their lesson at all. I mean, like you know, they're going to continue banging this drum, you know, because they tasted power in 2020, and they're going to keep on doing that, trying to silence free speech. This is what they do. So, I was looking at some clips of MSNBC. This kind of fascinates me. The head of Pen America, Suzanne Nossel. Uh, you know, Pen America used to be all about the freedom of writers, and now it seems to be all about the censorship of the internet. It, it's a little weird. Ironic. Yeah. She's saying when it comes to a social media platform that, as Elon says, is trying to create an environment for public discourse, a place where people from, of different ideological persuasions can come together and can reason. In order to do that, you need to create some parameters. We've learned that speech in Twitter is not the same as a town square. It's algorithmically driven. We've seen that falsehoods travel faster than the truth on Twitter, that polarization can be stoked that it's a weaponization of human nature. What does that even mean? <laughs> I, mean I mean, you it's like you're you're trying you're using words but they have no meaning to them. I mean, this it's like a, it's a complete meltdown is what it is. Yes, and the th it, 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 there's truth that in social media, mm -hmm. you can gain fame and fortune by uh saying with hot takes. Yeah. Th that's understandable, but it's this whole idea 
There's just nothing funnier than people on an MSNBC show speaking out against polarization. It's the it's you know what it's like it's the most the lack of self awareness on these channels is absolutely amazing. It's like you are in, literally on one of the nation's most powerful cable networks and you're complaining about yep. polarization when you literally thrive off of a left wing hegemon. Give me a break. There you go. <laughs> yes, and then on Mady Hassan's show, speaking of divisive and polarizing. Tara Setmeyer, you may not have seen this one yet. She, uh, she's, they present her as a Republican, which obviously you can tell yeah. from this quote she's not. So is Anna Navarro, right? Exactly. <laughs> Same camp. Max Boot and the whole group. You know, it's it's amazing to watch someone like Elon Musk, who is such a um, he's such a child. You know, he's so immature. He needs attention all the time. And these guys with these money and this attention and these daddy issues, the rest of us are held hostage by their issues. And here we have something as important as Twitter, which is an important platform, um, now descending into the hellscape that he claimed it wouldn't be. Descending into the hellscape. Oh, goodness great. Like, they're talking about daddy issues. Meanwhile, they want big tech to censor opinions that they don't like that triggers them on social media. It's like, daddy, daddy, save me. Daddy, daddy, big tech, save me. But you're complaining about Musk. Hey, you know what? Let's have a free discussion. Oh, my gosh, we're in a hellscape. Yeah, I think... I I don't think that, it, it, you know, we're going to wake up and Twitter's turned into gab. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? It's not going to be some right wing white supremacist, you know, whatever MSNBC wants to pretend it is. I think they're just, again, they're upset at the idea that a story like the Hunter Biden laptop yeah. can spread. You know, they just don't like the idea that, you know, oh, we're going to have a free and fair discussion about Fetterman's cognitive issues. We're seeing it now with, Oh, whoops, it seems like the COVID lab leak theory, there might be something to that. Oh, well, what was, who crushed that? <laughs> Social exactly. media crushed that. Exactly. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, and they appeal to the big tech, the big tech overlords to silence any kind of debate on this issue. I'm like, you know what? If, if you have to rely on others' opinions being silenced, then guess what? Your argument is probably not as strong as you try to make it out to be. It's that if you if if it's as strong as you make it out to be, if the evidence for everything is so clear, it should be held up to scrutiny with no problem at all. But they don't want to be scrutinized. That's why they want to science the other side. Now you have something from Reuters. Reuters was all upset. You know, I think Reuters, and I think they did a piece a few months ago about how glorifying a chick from Antifa. <laughs> and and how she likes beating up Republicans and Nazis. Yeah. And now they're going to say, well, we're very concerned about glorifying <laughs> violence. Well, maybe you should stop before you glorifies, glorify Antifa. <laughs> she was a Girl Scout. Now she's a street anarchist warrior. You know, I mean... I mean, wasn't wasn't they the same outlet that said that Greta, uh, Greta Thunberg should have a Nobel Prize or something like that? I mean... <laughs> Reuters is not American based, which is it kind of sounds like it's not American based. Although, I mean, again, our yeah, media is yeah. all based in Manhattan and they all love Greta Thunberg, Cartoonberg. <laughs> well, this is this is what they this is Reuters. This is Reuters for you. And they have over a billion people who see um, Reuters content worldwide. So this is, you know, they're able to whine and then have many people read their stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the and this is Reuters whose fact checks are, uh, I think you mentioned this, like, well, somebody put a bus behind an ice cream truck yeah. behind Joe and Jill Biden, which we could, you could pretty much easily tell it was fake. 
Oh, it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, this video was altered. I'm like, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. We knew that. <laughs> but you're so triggered by comedy. I mean, th think about it. That's what launched Elon Musk bid to begin with, Like, was the fact that Twitter was censoring the Babylon Bee for posting satire. I was like, hey, comedy is the iconic representation of free speech. And if you don't have comedy, right, then guess what? I mean, what do you have? You have hegemon. You have, you have Orwellian dystopia. Well, I mean, we saw it this weekend with Saturday Night Live, which opened their show with a big skit about morons like Herschel Walker who can't speak English. I mean, they made him sound like a character out of Amos and Andy. Uh, uh, you know, they made fun of Mehmet Oz. They made fun of Carrie Lake. <laughs> that she's, She said she sounds like a softcore porn film. Oh, dear gosh. So, I mean, Twitter doesn't crush that. You know, Twitter doesn't crush liberal satire, even if it's remarkably unfunny. It, it, funny, it's a, it's like grotesquely unfunny. I mean, you know, the whole purpose about comedy is about is to what? It's it's to trigger people. It's to it's to you know it, it's to create a, it's to create debate. It's to create, make fun out of certain things. And it, comedy mocking is part of comedy. And if you don't have comedy, what you end up having is just political talking points disguised as comedy. And that's what we're seeing on SNL and all of these other crazy late night talk show hosts. It, it's it's nuts. It, it it really is these all of these late night shows. You know, you got Saturday Night Live adding Saturday to Monday through Friday. You throw in John Oliver and you've got Sunday. Uh, you know, they're they're all transparent Democrat messaging. Now, uh, let's bring this up with something that your Free Speech America project has been doing. Um, big study, MRC Free Speech America analyzed Google, Bing, and DuckDuckGo search results for the 12 Senate races identified by Real Clear Politics as the most important to watch. Our researchers caught Google burying 10 of 12 Senate Republican Party candidates' campaign websites while highlighting their opponents' campaign sites in organic search results. This stands in stark contrast to Bing and DuckDuckGo, whose search results treated Republican and Democrat campaign websites more neutrally than Google. So... How, how did you do this exactly? What we ended up doing was that we created an algorithm that created a clean environment for these searches to take place. So in other words, it's not influenced by cookies or, or user history and things like that because that has an effect on the results that you see. But we, we took care of that, and what we did was that we searched the top 12 Senate races, and what we found, Tim, it goes even worse. Seven of the 12 cases that we looked at, seven of the 12 cases that we looked at, the Republican candidate's website didn't even appear on the first page. It got pushed to page two. Okay. And what we ended up determining, or what we found, was that less than 1% of all Google search users, and remember, Google controls over 90% of the search engine market, less than 1% of all Google users click past the first page. Uh-oh. It was clear what they were doing. I mean, you know what? And of course, Google tried to deflect, you know, in comments to Fox saying, oh, this report is designed to mislead using uncommon search terms. I'm like, then why didn't Bing and DuckDuckGo display the same bias when we did our search? They didn't. Right. And you know what? All of this could be cleared up. If you really want to put uh, cl clear up the narrative, show us the algorithm. Show mm -hmm. us your algorithm, which is what exactly what they don't do and they don't want to do. Right. But so this is what we ended up finding. It's absolutely egregious. I mean, I, I think it's really important um, to, to quote from the head of Free Speech America, Dan Schneider, Google is evil. <laughs> He's, he, he really beats around the bush. Um, but Google is, uh, 
I like to joke, it's sort of like the Kleenex of social media. You search yeah. engine, the, the term search and Google are, are synonymous. So yes, most, most, most people uh, with their Google phones, I mean, are, are you know, mm -hmm. are gonna, they're just gonna naturally search on Google for these sorts of things. And so this does become something important and it does become something where I guess we're really talking about independent voters. If we're doing something as simple as I'm, I want to find information on Mehmet Oz or Herschel Walker, are you going to actually get their websites? Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, it, look, J.D. Vance is another one. J.D. Vance was one, is, is in a hotly contested race against Tim Ryan in Ohio. His page was one of the ones that was pushed to page two. I mean, so so if you're an independent voter that wants to get information about the candidates that are going to be taking the Senate seat, for all intents and purposes, on Google, you're a non-person if you're one of these seven. You know, and what and another point, uh, Tim, I want to emphasize is that. We responded to Google, you know, to Google's allegations. Oh, this is designed to mislead. We ended up looking at the House, right. House of Representatives as well, and we looked at the top 36 contested elections, uh, contested races. And what we ended up finding was that that bias doesn't exist, uh, you know, for for the House of Representatives. We used the same exact kind of search parameters that we did for the Senate, and the bias wasn't there. As a matter of fact, it was relatively neutral uh, between the Republicans and the Democrats. With Republicans, I think even fav being favored on the search results uh, in the in the House side. So I'm like, okay, so how did the bias end up in the Senate and not in the House? Can you explain that? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because on one level they'd say, see, maybe it's not as much of a problem as you say. But I think it's also on the other level saying, if we're all going to be cynical political hacks, you'd say, well, we're going to just basically suggest that the House, the race for the House majority is over. It's over, yeah. But the Senate's in contention, and especially if you're convinced, yeah, that <laughs> that uh, Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona, uh, Ohio, are these are like the central races of our time, then those are the ones that you might go, well, I'm going to create a little algorithm here for these Senate races. Exactly. That suppresses. And the question then becomes, is this, in fact, an in-kind contribution on behalf of this big tech giant? I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy on Fox Business had pointed this out, and you know what? It's very true. That's why Congress needs to investigate this. If the GOP do, in fact, take control of the, of, of the House or even the Senate, Google needs to be put in front of them and say, okay— Show us the algorithm. Show us exactly. Prove that this is wrong because this is egregious. You have this much power and you are interfering in the election process. And that takes that takes the that pretty much takes the voice out of the uh, voice out of the American people. And uh, yes, well, let's let's note that MRC founder and president Brent Bozell said Google needs to explain itself and stop trying to manipulate elections. A day of reckoning is coming. <laughs> it needs a soundtrack. As, Here it comes. Uh, uh, we should also add Fox News did its own searches and corroborated the results of Free Speech America about Google search bias. Uh, and let's remind people of this, Joey. Uh, if we go to the FEC website and look for donations to which parties, which candidates from Google execs or employees. Hmm. It's... Oh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time pinning this one, Tim. Oh, look at that. It's the Democrats. <laughs> Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly Democrat. Well, I mean, these are companies that are based in San Francisco or in that area. And, uh, you know, these employees, the big tech firms, are part of what makes the Bay Area so delightful. <laughs> It's Silicon Valley. It's so diverse. Oh, yeah, diverse. Uh, definitely not diversity of thought, but, you know, they, they want to let you know how woke they are on everything else. But, you know, this is what this is what we're dealing with, Tim. So 
One of the things that uh, Joseph is very involved with is George Soros. Dump, dump, dump. I don't know if you know this, Joey, but anybody investigating George Soros is probably anti-Semitic. Uh, yeah, that's that's the, that's the common media uh, angle for any time someone dares raise a question about so- where Soros money is going. Oh my gosh, anti-Semitism! Give me a break. I mean, I mean, it's 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 for someone, anyone who's spending this much money to gain this much political influence should be should be called out. Should be um, you know should be talked about. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, whether it be Bill Gates or George Soros, we should be able to have these discussions. That's for sure. And. Uh You've done several articles in the last week noting about how, you know, Soros has funded groups that are demanding social media censorship. They have a hashtag called Fix the Feed. <laughs> and you point out at least 28 of the groups who signed on to this Fix the Feed campaign, they were heavily financed by George Soros to the tune of more than $32 million dollars just between 2016 and 2020. Oh, that doesn't even just scratch the surface. That's just one case. I mean, in the other cases that I pointed out, in one particular instance, a group called Global Witness put out a study saying that Facebook and TikTok is not censoring enough. Well, they happen to be funded by $17.6 million by Soros. And then in another letter that was calling many of the big tech uh, CEOs to censor more, um, Soros funded those groups to those to the signatories to that letter to the tune of over $30 million. So everywhere you look, there's Soros cash everywhere and these groups are demanding censorship. So then you think, okay, yeah, there's definitely a uh, special interest involved, big money, uh, big money involved in trying to get uh, people to silence um, uh, Americans who disagree with Soros's positions on things. Yeah, Very I convenient. Mean, I think that it's, you know, Everybody who's been following politics, at least, uh, you know, we could go back to the bush Kerry race in 2004, where Soros was very, very active in trying to get Democrats elected in 2004. So if a guy whose major interest in life is funding Democratic Party candidates and district attorneys that let all the prisoners out, (laughs) all the murderers out... Uh, You know, if he's calling for censoring social media, that might suggest to you that these efforts to censor social media are not are are a left wing campaign trying to give the left wing power. The one I wanted to pull out of here, one of my favorites, (laughs) the Soros funded international fact checking network at the liberal pointer Institute for media studies. (laughs) I was just about to point that that (laughs) the pointer people, the people who give us. That service known as Politifact, oh gosh, or Politiflax, uh, uh, you know that when you're when you're funding these, I mean, the the fact checkers p- play a very important function in shutting down and censoring content, and yes. some of it, uh, we always say when it comes to fact checkers, some of things that they're declaring are false are actually false, uh, but a lot of things it's it's like well, in our liberal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't like what you have to say about Biden Harris and so we're going to flag it on Facebook and say you can't say that. Well look at the way they treated the Hunter Biden story. Right. I mean, I mean factcheck.org lead stories uh, PolitiFact, you just mentioned, um, all of them are international fact-checking network signatories. They sign their code of conduct, so to speak, which Soros happens to fund. And then, you know, when when in retrospect, after the New York Times verified the emails that were found by the New York Post, 
these fact checkers in a story that I had written, they hadn't updated their fact checks. Mm-hmm. So I'm so I'm like, it, it, it's absolutely it's it, it's nuts. It's nuts. Like I remember, like just recently, a court judge um, struck had struck down the lawsuit brought by John Stossel to Facebook with fact checking some content. I believe it was on climate change, and the determination was is that these fact checks were subjective. That they were. I'm like, there you go. So what in the world gives you a monopoly mm-hmm. on the truth? Right. You don't have that. You are just as flawed as any other human being with a brain. So we should be able to have discussions. Yeah, I think that really the main problem with fact checking, from from our perspective, is what are you selecting? What is your target selection? Mm. Um, and and yes, is is the matter a matter of fact or is it a matter of opinion? And the, the of course the thing I hate the most is when they say a prediction is false. <laughs> right? I can go back to. Uh, uh, the 1992 election. I'll give you an old, old style one where it was like, Clinton will raise your taxes. False! Well, of course, he got elected and raised your taxes. <laughs> so the idea that that you can fact check the future, that's that's a, a whole different level of wizardry. It's like they want to make you believe that they have some sort of a stargate that they look, toward, look towards. They're like, we can see into the future and make all these predictions. I'm like, this is not fact checking. The whole purpose of these operations is to silence the right. This is what they do. This is what they're going to do. I mean, even, even you've done studies on this yourself, on yeah. the disparity between how they fact check Trump versus how much they fact check Biden. It's not right. even close. Right. I mean, so, so it's like you just you see where their political leanings are, but they happen to have big tech power behind it so yeah. their opinions are established okay this is the truth every other opinion is false that's dangerous yeah i mean what we found with politifact what we've repeatedly found with politifact is they're about six times more likely to uh to fact check biden critics than they are to fact check biden and of course again some of these usually a lot of times the biden critics they're not they're not regular conservatives. They're saying absolute loopy stuff that is pants on fire. But it's that it's like we're saying about the the ice cream truck. <laughs> their, their level of sensitivity around Biden or Obama or Hillary Clinton is just crazy. One last thought while we're talking about it. Hillary Clinton, as long as we're talking about Hillary Clinton, came out and said... You saw this speech that she gave up for it's a it's for a website called Crush the Coup um, oh, that's trying to suggest that the right wing has already has a conspiracy to steal the 2024 election. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, OK, like, do I need to like rewind like the past few years about Russia? Russia uh, stole the 2016 election. Uh, Trump is a Russian agent. This was stuff that was pushed out. So, you know, so reportedly by her own campaign, you know, yes. you know, so to speak. I mean, with Christopher Steele, the whole nine yards. I mean, you know, who in the world are you to come out and say anything about anything? But this is what they, they memory hole. They memory hole history. Right. This is straight out of Orwell's 1984. Whenever facts appear that they that doesn't that's not convenient for the for the ruling party, they will memory hole this stuff. And this is what Hillary Clinton wants to do. They don't want they, she doesn't want anyone to remember about, oh, the whole reason why we had years throughout Trump's administration discussion about, oh, Russia interfering in the 2016 election, Russia uh, throwing the election to Trump. The reason why she doesn't want anyone to have any uh, memory about that is because it's, it's because she wants she, she she's trying to get people to she's trying to run for office again. <laughs> oh, my god! She's, she's trying to position herself to run for office. Again. Oh, no. So, yeah, that's why she's doing all of this. I think that the. Um 
you made a really important point. I want to wrap up on this point, and that is fact-checking websites. When the facts they were checking, it turns out to be inconveniently like, oops, actually, <laughs> it's possible that the COVID lab leak theory is real. Um, Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post did this, but I mean, I think that there's uh, there's a real slowness there, as you yeah. said. If somebody goes back to one of these two or three year old fact checks and it hasn't been updated um, <laughs> and we Google search and we find that, does Google take the blame? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, you know, I have a, a, a friend of mine uh, who's uh, I'll throw this out here. The Twitter handle is at Zebra Fact Check. And if you want to find the person <laughs> who is all over the international fact checking network at the Pointer Institute, yeah. it's Zebra Fact Check. But it's it's sort of like trying to make the fact checkers live up to their own uh, rules and uh, the way that yeah. they, you know they don't they're not transparent people. No, they're not. <laughs> uh, so that that makes it really funny. So I mean, obviously, fact checking is something we're paying a lot of attention to here, and and free speech, and how somehow fact checking is a is weaponized against free speech. Let me give you an example. We talked about Soros. In February of 2020, I remember I wrote up this outlet called Full Fact. It's a UK-based fact checker that also happens to be a signatory to the IFCN, right? It's backed with Soros cash. And the whole point was this article that I had written up in retrospect, they were they were slapping down the COVID lab leak theory in February of 2020, before everyone even knew anything about the virus. <laughs> yeah. and, and now Soros-funded ProPublica comes out with this investigation. Like, hmm, there's actually probably some legitimacy to this over two years after the fact. Right. So full fact, more like full flack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's it, this is this is the joke that is fact checking. Well, and these are the moments that should cause them to revise and extend. And that is that when a liberal website like ProPublica says something, when when the Washington Post fact checker says it, when the Washington Post, and the New York Times suddenly uh, report that the, the the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop are real, then maybe that's the time that they should. Maybe there should be an apology. I, I, <laughs> do you know? Do you? Uh, I think that the the fact checker should apologize that their facts were not all uh, aligned, or maybe they jumped the gun just a little. Well, it's just the hubris of these people. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. I mean, because what happens? It diminishes who they are. They're trying to create this non-existent image that they're infallible. Yeah. I mean, so guess what? If they admit that they're wrong, there goes that image. But they're going to keep on hammering that because guess what? They, they want to have control over their narrative. They like the power that it gives. But it's a joke. It is a complete joke. Well, this is what we do here at uh, the MRC is we're, we're always trying to suggest uh, people, uh, liberals in the media and in social media, uh, are arrogant and uh, they, they don't want to be transparent. And that's why we're going to drag them through that with our reporting and analysis and criticism. <laughs> and that's why you come read Joseph Vasquez and the rest of us at Newsbusters. Come to us once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>